You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today's message is entitled, Smooth, Smooth. And this is part four of Psalm 24. So we have been on Psalm 24 for the last, now it's going to be month. And uh, we're digging out the riches of Psalm 24. So this This message is entitled Smooth. I'm going to pray, and then I'll lead you in a prayer. Father, I pray that as we hear your word, especially as we hear who you are, that our faith would be built up, that faith would increase in our hearts so that we can trust in you in all things. And we thank you. You are the one who makes the way smooth. We are believing you for miracles this morning. And we are inviting you to come into our words, into this preaching, into our hearing, into the homes of everyone that is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Put, you can put your hands on your hearts and pray this with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. Amen. So before we get into this, we just have one more day till our Glory Unit 2024. So this is our opening night for Bible school. All are welcome. Now, if you're worried that there's no room for you, you do not need to worry. We have got lots of room (laughs) right now. So you can register at holyfireschool.com. You can register at holyfireschool.com. You can come and check it out tomorrow night. Uh, Register to lock in your place, also to find out more. And we're right on the Queen Street Mall, so level 7, 117 Queen Street. And please help me spread the word. I need your help to spread the word, get the word out. For tomorrow, a lot of prayer has gone into it. A lot of work has gone into it. And I am believing for God to do amazing things and to reveal his glory to us this semester in a a very special way. So that's tomorrow night. The other thing is if you're a grad, and I'm not just speaking to people here, but online, if you're a grad, we could use help with the grad team because the grad team, online our grad team is good, but in-house we don't, we have a... Uh, we need to uh, rebuild our grad team for uh, uh, that really helps for serving for the uh, for the year. So uh, and just actually the commitment just for this semester. Um, so if you're interested, yes, we need help. So one day, one day, please be praying for that. 
Also, if you want to give, brisbanefire.com, brisbanefire.com, there's a give page. You can give, and thanks to everybody that gives and supports this ministry, because this ministry is made possible through your, your giving and your support and prayers. So let's get into this. Oh, yeah, that's the card that Anna made, Glory in the Dark. And the information is there. So let's get into this message. And I want to start off with a, a verse of scripture that we left off with last week. Because of the wild weather, we couldn't be here last week. So now we are here again. Good to be, good to be back again. And here is Deuteronomy 32.4. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness. And without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Now I'm going to read that again with the Hebrew in there. The rock. So here Moses is praising God for his character. His character is like a rock. The rock. His work is perfect, complete. For all his ways are just a God of faithfulness. And this is the, the word that we learned last week, emunah, emunah. See if you can say it with me. It's three syllables, eh, mu, and na is that we accent the na at the end. See if you can say it with me, emunah. And that's faithfulness, a very important, and faith, and faith, and steadiness, and steadfastness. It's a very important word in Hebrew, a God of emunah, and without injustice, Righteous, and this is the word that we're going to focus on today, yashar, yashar. So the accent is on the shar, so the first syllable is yah. Say yah with me. Yashar. And we'll look at what yashar means because it has a, a very full meaning, and it's often found with emunah. Uh, and... In learning this, we'll learn, you know, who God is, and I wanted to build our faith. So this is what it looks like in Hebrew, the Yud, the Sheen, the Resh. Uh, for those who are studying Hebrew, for those who are not, that's okay. Uh, the first two letters, uh, it starts from right to left. The first two letters are found in Yeshua's name. I don't know if there's any connection there, but there's connection of letters there. So Yud. Yashar, Yashar. Now, let's talk about this. Yashar is a Hebrew word often associated with emunah, which is faithfulness, steadfastness, and solid, solidity, solidity. Yashar means straight, smooth, balanced, just, and upright. And I'll say that again. Yashar means straight, smooth, balanced, or level, just, and upright. So it means all those things. It's a word used to describe God and the righteous. So God is straight, smooth, balanced, just, upright. The righteous are straight, smooth, balanced, level, just, upright. So it's often uh, repeated in the Hebrew Scripture and uh, in translation, some of its weight 
is lost, and that's why we are studying it and opening it up. Notice how this terrain is a difficult terrain to walk in if there was not a, a path there. If there was not a path that was made, it would be a difficult terrain to walk in. The same thing goes with that first picture, first photo. This is what Isaiah 26, 7 says. The path of the righteous is level. Yashar, yashar. The path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, and now this is a name for God himself, Yashar. Again, it's repeated. You, the upright one, you, the Yashar, make the way of the righteous smooth. So I really want us to focus on that last part. You, the upright one, the Yashar, make the way of the righteous smooth. Our God makes the way of the righteous smooth. How is that? Well, let's, Isaiah 26, 7, let's talk about that some more. So, yeah, this is the picture from the beginning. Notice that the terrain all around is rocky, but there is a smooth path that's laid out so that you can walk and not stumble. Now, with our balance, if a surface is uneven, uh, for example, if there's a towel on the floor, or uh, last night for me, there was toys on the floor of Valerie's room, and I was trying to put her asleep, but was, I stepped on a toy and almost tripped and fell over. Un it was an uneven surface. When there's an uneven surface, it's easy to trip and fall. It's easy to lose our balance. So what the Lord does is he goes before us and makes the way smooth. Now, the, the environment, the terrain, what we may be uh, uh, in, what we uh, may be going through, may be rough and rugged all around, but God makes a way, a smooth way. God is the expert at making rough places smooth. God is the expert at making rough places smooth. Can I hear it? Amen. amen. And this get, needs to get into our hearts, especially as we're going through rough places. I know Anna and I have been through many rough places, and you have been through many rough places. What I've always found is the place may be rough, the time may be rugged, but God makes it smooth so that we can keep on walking through and not lose our balance. How does he do it? So this is the question. How does he do it? He makes rugged areas smooth as we invite him in. He is the leveler. He is the one who makes the path. Like a pioneer goes before and makes the path smooth. He is the one who does that. He is the yashar. That one, it, it means smooth. It also means, in Hebrew, one who makes something smooth. And he does that as we invite him in. And that's his will, his presence among and within us. So whatever we're going through, God's will 
is that his presence would be active and working among us and within us. And that's how he gets the glory. There's a testimony that comes when we allow God to come in and we actively invite him in. So that brings us to Psalm 24. We've been reading this over and over and we'll read it again. And we're especially focusing on that last section, but we'll start with the beginning. It's Yahweh's earth, all the world, every dweller. Yes, on seas he founded it, on rivers he established it. Who will ascend Yahweh's mountain? Who will arise into his holy place? Ascending a mountain is not easy unless there's a path that has been made smooth. It is very difficult without a path that has been made smooth for a pilgrim who doesn't have all this uh, climbing gear. Who will ascend Yahweh's mountain? Who will arise into his holy place? Clean, unfettered hands, a pure, open heart. These arise. And then here the psalmist prays as he knows that it's clean and uh, clean hands and a pure heart that arise. He prays, he prays here, Oh, let not my soul get drawn into emptiness, nor bound to a mirage. You know about mirages? That in the desert you could, you're walking and the eye plays a trick on you. Uh, and it's like you see water or an oasis, but it's not actually there. It's a mirage. And you start going toward that. And there's a lot of things in life, opportunity, seeming opportunities, things that look good and sparkle, that are mirages. And we've got to stay on God's way and not get off for what looks like greener grass on the other side. Now, this is the thing I, I've noticed about green grass. Now the park is filled with green grass, right? We have green grass all around. Most of the year, it's been quite brown. Why do we have green grass? Because there's been a lot of storms. There's been a lot of rain. So we think, oh, you know, over there has greener grass, but that's because there's been a lot of storms if it's true green grass. And then also some things look and appear good like a mirage, but you get there and it's nothing there. It's emptiness. So those who stay away from this, they carry Yahweh's blessing, the righteousness of God, their Savior, or their salvation. This generation seeks for more of him. They discover his presence. They pursue him like Jacob, Selah. Now we get to this last part, and this is what we're focusing on. Raise your heads, great gates. Be lifted, ancient doors. Come, king laden with glory. Who is this king laden with glory? Yahweh, the mighty warrior. Yahweh, the hero in battle. Raise your heads, great gates. Lift high ancient doors. Come, king laden with glory. Who is he, this king laden with glory? Yahweh, Lord of the armies. He is the king laden with glory. Selah. Now, this is God. God's will is... For him to come into every place, every area. So Milton, Ipswich, Boondle, Cleveland, wherever you're at, the king of glory coming in, and we are meant to be the gates for that. So again, we reflect on how does this happen? Uh, but before that, how does it not happen, right? Here's this uh, door, and there's this chains, and there's locks. Sin is not letting God in. 
That's what sin is. Sin is not letting God in. It's leaving no space and room for God. Sin locks God out, keeping the doors closed to him. That's what sin is. And we need to, again, turn from it, ask God to deliver us from that, have an open heart, allow him to come in and work and move. What happens when we let God in? What happens when we let God in? Listen to this, Isaiah 42, 16. It's like that verse we read before. I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. Did you hear that? And rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. He will finish it. He will complete it. That's something about God's nature. He always finishes what he starts. And if he's working in our lives, we will finish what he wants us to finish. We will finish what he has begun in us, and of course, he will finish it. It says there he makes the rugged, place, rugged places into plains. So in that hard terrain, which I know we're going through, as we invite him in, he makes the rugged places flat, smooth, into a plain. And it happens as we let him in, as we lift up the gates to him and say, come, king laden with glory. This semester at Bible school, we're studying the book of Revelation. I've been reading the book of Revelation. Now I've been putting about two and a half months of study into it, and I'm rereading the book of Revelation, and one of the things I discovered is reading Revelation is a wild ride. I don't know if you saw that little video clip I put out, um, but reading Revelation, the book of Revelation, is a wild ride. But have you been on roller coasters as a kid? You know, I was afraid of going on roller coasters, roller coasters, and then I went on my first looper roller coaster. It had this one was had about I think seven or eight loops. And after I finished, I was back on the line to go again. And again and again, if the line was not, you know, if the, just again and again and again, it was a wild ride, but because I ended up safe on the other side, and I knew that, and it was smooth, you know, even though it was wild, I wanted to go on again and again. And the book of Revelation to me reminds me of that. It's one of those wild rides, but at the end, you know that if you trust in him, listen to him and trust in him, you're going to get through this unscathed because he's got you secure. you got those, uh, it's like those uh, harnesses. Yeah, you got a harness on those ride harnesses. And uh, you brace yourself, though, a bit. I don't know what it's like today, but back in the day when you go on the roller coaster, if you didn't brace yourself, your head would bang like a ping pong ball. <laughs> you brace yourself. 
So he's got us uh, harnessing, but we have to, in faith, brace ourselves and trust in him. There's a pattern I've discovered in the book of Revelation. Whenever something very difficult and dark is revealed in the book of Revelation, a time of great tribulation, anytime you find something very difficult and dark, a time of great tribulation, God follows it with uplifting words, promises, and he puts the turbulence into perspective. So whenever something very difficult and dark is revealed, a time of great tribulation, keep on reading because God follows it with uplifting words, putting the turbulence into perspective. We'll see that this semester. Here's an Anzac Day parade. New Zealand soldiers here in London, I believe it is. Not only do these encouraging, encouraging words follow what seems to be unbearable experiences, but they also come before. In other words, the hardships are encased in grace, joy, and victory. So in the book of Revelation, not only do they come after we read something that's quite difficult, but they also come before, so they surround the, the darkness and the hardship and the things that are coming to the earth. So hardships are encased in grace, joy, and victory for the upright, for those who put their faith and trust in the Lord, as Anna was singing about. Isaiah 52, 12, another very similar scripture to what we've been reading. But you will not go out in haste. This is talking about Israel escaping Babylon and the Babylonian captivity, but it also is for us who are escaping this world and the things of this world. We're talking about the spirit of the world. Of course, we are in the world. We're meant to be a light in the world. But you will not go out in haste, nor will you go as fugitives, for the Lord will go before you and the, God of, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. So notice this. God is going before us, and he's also after us. Because, of course, he is all in all. He is the Alpha, and he is the Omega. So the God of Israel goes before us as a pioneer, breaking the ground, routing out our enemies, but he also is behind us. So there's this encasing. And I have a picture here of a procession, of a parade. And God is the mighty warrior, the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Yahweh is a warrior. So what happened? This is continuing on from last week. What happened when Moses, Aaron, and her worked together to pray and praise God? So this is, where we, this is where we see how this actually happens. What happened when Moses, Aaron, and Hur worked together to pray and praise God in Exodus chapter 17? Well, when they did that, when they lifted up Moses' hands and they lifted up their hands together, they invited God in. 
the king of glory, the Lord, mighty in battle. They invited that Lord, the king, the one who's mighty in battle, battle. They invited him into the battlefield, into the rough places to fight on their behalf. And we know what happened in that whole episode as Moses' hands are raised and they're overlooking the battle that Joshua is fighting against the Amalekites. As Moses' hands are raised in prayer, they're raised to God. They are winning the battle. As his hands hang low and he gets tired and exhausted, they're losing. So they made a connection. We need to lift up his hands. We need to assist him in praying. We need to uh, assist him and get alongside of him so that he can do this. Otherwise, we're going to lose the battle. And once they made that connection, they came alongside of him and they lifted up his hands. And in the end, Joshua won the battle. But Joshua actually didn't know exactly what was happening on the mountaintop. He didn't realize the intercession that was being made for him. He was experiencing the battle going uh, in his favor and then against his favor. He was experiencing that, but he didn't know why or what was happening. Only later afterward, God said to Joshua, let him hear the story of what happened. Let him hear about it. Let him know the power of intercession so to speak. We all need to know the power of praise, of prayer, of intercession that's represented in the raising of hands. And the actual physical raising of hands is important. Like we talked about last week, the posture is important. But uh, of course, it represents something more. It represents this prayer intercession that can happen on your knees. It can happen on your face. It can happen you sitting down. Uh, In the end, Moses was sitting and his hands were raised. They had him sitting on a rock. When we lift our hands in prayer, praise, and intercession, we let God in. We also let God in when we assist others in lifting up their hands. So I've been repeating this. has been a theme this morning. When we lift our hands in prayer, praise, and intercession, we let God in. We also let God in when we assist others in lifting their hands. And this is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. And that's why often you feel like a heaviness of not wanting to lift your hands. And not wanting to pray and not wanting to intercede. This this, uh, uh, this week in my journal, I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm not in the mood to pray this morning. But to be honest, I'm praying all the time. I'm praying in the morning, praying in the afternoon, praying all throughout the day. But I was like, I'm not in the mood. But sometimes you don't feel in the mood, but you do it anyway because it's powerful. And this is how we fight our battles. We raise our hands and praise and worship and prayer and we don't, we, don't, we don't let our uh, emotional state affect our praise. So here it is, the, what we read last week. Aaron and her held his hands up 
one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset, or till sunset. So that his hands remained steady till sunset. So notice how they came on onto his side. They came to his side, one on one side, one on the other. This year, we really need to come alongside one another. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, it doesn't have to be large groups. We need that intimacy where you have the two or three that come alongside and lift one another's hands so that our hands remain steady. Emunah in the Hebrew, emunah, steady till the very end. So we read here, Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Now it goes on to say, now this part we didn't read yet. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll. So make sure this is remembered. Write it down. Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. And then listen to this. And make sure that Joshua hears it. Now, I really wanted to just stop and pause here. And make sure Joshua hears it. Make sure he hears it. Because Joshua may not have realized why he won the victory. So what happens when we start to win the victory and we're successful in life? Uh, we start to walking around like, you know, I did this. Me and Jesus did this, but me comes before Jesus. <laughs> So there's a, and Joshua could have thought, hey, the great victory I won. Realize that in, in the kingdom, if you are making any advances, it's because someone is secretly interceding for you. Someone is praying for you. I've seen this, uh, not with you guys, but, you know, way in the past, praying all night for people. And I see God in their life bless them. And, and somehow they never acknowledge their leaders as praying for them and, and actually fighting a battle for them. It reminds me of the ten lepers. You have the ten lepers. They're healed. And one comes back and recognizes, oh, thank you, Jesus. We should always honor our leaders and those who have gone before us and one another because we're all meant to be interceding for one another. So never think that you win the victory alone. We win the victory as a body, as a team. We work together. That spirit-empowered teamwork is critical in the kingdom. And then here, again, the Lord says, make sure Joshua hears it. Because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. And that's a, a picture of how God will destroy all of his enemies, which we see in the book of Revelation when he cast in the lake of fire Satan and the, the dragon and all of those who oppose God, even though they're giving, given so much time to repent. And then Moses built an altar. We're almost at an end here. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Because hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The NIV says against the throne of the Lord, uh, but in the Hebrew, I think it's much better translated as to the throne of the Lord. It makes much more sense. 
because hands were lifted to the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Malachites from generation to generation. There's the flag. Where's, where's Valerie? Valerie's in the park. Well, she asked me, Dad, I forgot what the Australian flag looked like. Just, just a week of Australia Day. I don't want to get into the controversy there, but it's almost like a, it almost seems like a crime to have a flag raised. Um, but this is our flag for those who don't know. Uh, this is the Australian flag. If you haven't seen it in a while, this is what the Australian flag looks like. I wanted to point to... Now, remember, for those who are hearing this online, I'm an American who became an Australian citizen by choice. Uh, so I love Australia. And uh, I'm grateful also for the Aboriginal heritage. And there's so many good things that they have to pass down to us. So I'm not, there's not a, a fight here in me about this. But this is, this is our Australian flag. There was none for me to show Valerie, oh, this is what it looks like, but this is our, our flag. Now, what is Moses saying? Moses is saying, the Lord is my banner. So even above this, and it means flag, it means standard flag. The Lord is my banner, which is Yahweh Nisi. Yahweh Nisi. See if you can say that. Yahweh Nisi. It's not Nisi like a lot of people pronounce it. The accent's at the end. Nisi. Nisi. So Yahweh Nisi means, this is what it means. I'm in the Lord's army and he is the captain. All his resources and power are available to me and to us as his people. But this is very uh, personal here with Moses saying, my banner. All of his resources and power are available to me. He is my flag and standard. My allegiance is to him and his allegiance is to me. In the battle, I rally to him. Now, that, those ensigns, those flags that Israel had, they were rallying, rallying points so that they would put it down on the ground and the army would rally. So we rally to Yahweh in the battle. And we realize that he is our captain. All of his resources and power are available to us. And we are we're loyal to him and he is loyal to us. That's what it means that the Lord is my banner. Yahweh Nisi. That's a good one to reflect on. Oh, and this leads me to a little story. <laughs> the Lord started to speak to me about this all in my scooter adventure. You know, the, some of you know parts of the story, but I, I haven't shared at uh, church the story of what happened. You may have read my, my post and things. So there was, a, there was a Friday, I think it was the first, of, I'm pretty sure it was the first of December, where I was finishing the day, the day was quite discouraging near the end of the day. It was quite discouraging. And I'm finishing the day, and so I went to mail some books that uh, someone ordered uh, in the post office. 
post office. So I was going to the post office, and I was on my old scooter. And my old scooter, I liked my old scooter. I, I got around places quickly. It was very handy in the city. Um, and it saved us from buying a second-hand car. You don't have petrol. You just uh, charge it through the electricity. So I really enjoyed it. I had it. At that time, I had been, had been using it for about a year and a half, and it becomes like a part of you in that you use this thing and go around. So I just parked it in front of the post office real quickly and, and went in. And lo and behold, I come out. There's no scooter there. So I, I trusted. <laughs> I didn't have a lock for it. I trusted the people maybe around in the city too much, right? And... So there was a guy, he was a, there was a homeless guy there. He had his whole setup because it's undercover right across from it. So I, said, I went up to him and I said to him, did you see anybody take the scooter, steal the scooter? And he said, yes, I did. And I won't tell you her name, but he told me where she lived and described her and everything. And she's known around here. And she left, she left her bike in exchange for the scooter so you can take her bike. I guess that's the, the street way of life or something. I said, no, 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 I won't. I won't take her, I won't take her bike. As I was uh, walking away, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me. And this, I, this is, I think, an important part of the story. I just had, it was emergency money in my, uh, it was all the emergency money I had in my uh, wallet. And I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, give them all that money. And so it's not normally what you would give a person on the street. Um, and I didn't, the thing is, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something like that, you don't think too much because then you probably think yourself out of it. But it was a thing of faith. So I took it. And I gave it to him. He was so happy. His, his face lit up. It wasn't one time I helped a homeless guy. And he, he asked me for a meal. And uh, I, I got him KFC. He did, and I paid for it. And he didn't even acknowledge me. You know, it was like, it was like I was, uh, I had to do it or something like this. But this guy was different. This guy his face was beaming. He was warm and genuine. I, I, I shake this hand and I thanked him. Then, of course, I had a rough time getting home. It took me about four hours to get home because there was a storm, all of that. I won't get into that. So now, uh, well, in the storm and everything, I lost all my strength from, from walking. And I was just really, really at a, a low point. And I made this post on Facebook explaining that my scooter got stolen. I was really uh, exhausted and uh, quite burnt out from it all. And so I made this post and let people know about it. Now, I didn't expect anybody to respond to the post. Maybe just a few likes, we're praying for you. But I had such a outpouring of people in support and, and love and saying, I had about five people in, in 24 hours time I had about five people that wanted to buy me a new scooter. And all these people that was like, oh, can we help you out this way, that way? I was so surprised about what happened. Now, Daniel Mack beat him to it. 
Daniel Mac didn't seem like he was going. He, he said to me, he was over at my house the next day to check up on me. He says, I guess you're going to be walking everywhere now. And I said, yeah, but it helped me to you know, get to the train station and get to the, get to the center and back and you know, really helped me. So he said, okay. You know, it was 4.30. The place was closing at 5. Let's go to Chermside to get you a new one. And so we went. And, of course, there was a lot of bargaining going on. <laughs> and we, we, got about, we got about $600 off the thing with all the stuff. And this is, this is the scooter. Now, as I'm riding this scooter, it's different from my other scooter because my other scooter didn't have a very good shock system. So when you were on bumpy roads, you were like, you didn't want to go on non-smooth roads because it was a very difficult ride. So uh, you, would wanna, you didn't even want to go so much on the footpath because uh, it was very shaky. But when I rode this one, it was very smooth. And in the places that used to be very uh, rough and rugged, it was smooth. And as I was riding, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this phrase, and I wrote it down. This is the end of the message, so if you're worrying about the time. I'm gonna, we're going to pray in a second. But he spoke to my heart, from now on, I will give you a smoother ride. From now on, I will give you a smoother ride. And it, it looked really bleak and black, and God turned it around. And, I, and the Lord kept on emphasizing to you, remember, you gave everything you know, you gave everything to that guy. And look at how I have, as you have given, look how you have received. And so now it's a smoother ride. I can go further and uh, to more different places. But then God started to speak to me about everything I'm talking to you about today, about the smoothness, about him making the path level. It doesn't mean necessarily that everything in our lives is without bumps or trials, but God makes it smooth. And this is because, this is the last slide here, maybe I'll talk about it more. Maybe next week I'll talk about it more, we'll see. God's shock system is his shalom. So in a, and when we ride on a car, if you ride in an old car, it might not have good shocks. And you feel every bump and bounce. And it's a difficult ride. When I was in Mexico, <laughs> we were going up and down in the mountains uh, preaching. This is for David Hogan's ministry. And we were in the back of a, I was in the back of a pickup truck. And these were rugged roads. And uh, it was and for hours like that. But if you had a, a really good shock system, you would not feel that because the shock system cushions. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to restore his shalom in our lives. So we face difficult things, but God is the, the shock absorber, the shock absorber so that we are not totally shaken by it. Of course, you'll feel the effects, but he softens the blow. He makes the way smooth so that we can go further. 
Are you getting this? And this is what the Lord wants to do, and he does it when we invite him in. So let's pray. I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll close. Father, I want to thank you that you are the one who goes before us. And you smooth the way. And you make the path straight. And it's as if you give us shock absorbers through your peace, through your shalom, so that we can absorb the things that we go through. And that most of all, in all these things, like Diane was writing about this week, in all these things that we would give you the glory, that we would glorify you. So, Father, we are facing some tough times individually, as a church, as a Bible school. We've been through some tough times, but we are praising you and inviting the King of glory to come in and to battle for us. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, we lift you up, and I pray for this word to do its work in everyone hearing. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.